Hello and welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. His name is... Hot Dog. And sometimes he goes by another name, which is... Henry. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, Henry. It's Christmas time. Um, if you're listening to this episode when it drops, it's Christmas Day. So, hope your holiday is going well. Hope your season is going well. Moving on. It's our big Christmas episode. So, we're all pretty excited about Christmas here. Henry, are you excited about Christmas? I love Christmas. You love Christmas. It's Christmas Day right now, right? So, have you had a good Christmas so far? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, was Santa good to you? Eh. Yeah. I guess that's not a fair question since... Spoiler, we're actually recording this before Christmas. So, I guess you don't know if Santa was good to you. You still got another week where you got to be good. Think you can handle that? Alright. I guess by Christmas Day we'll know if you made it or not. What's your favorite thing about Christmas, Henry? Unwrapping the wrapping paper. Yeah? Why? I get to make noise. Do you just like making the noise? You don't really care what's in the packages? I care what's in the packages. Alright. What do you want Santa to bring you? A bunch of wrapping paper. (laughs) You just want wrapping paper wrapped in wrapping paper? Alright, that'll make it easier for Santa, I guess. Awesome! Alright, well, for Christmas, I want... I don't know. What do you think I want for Christmas, Henry? Um... Atari 7800 game. Oh, boy. That would be nice, wouldn't it? Wish I had one. Alright. Well, before we get into the Christmas festivities, um, let's do a little housekeeping. Don't really have any news this week. It's Christmas. We don't need to worry about, you know, current events and stuff. Uh, but I did do a little feedback about episode 47, which was Skydiver. Our buddy Sean, co-host of the Pie Factory podcast, all-around general knowledgeable person, emailed to us because he could educate me on the proper pluralizing of Elvis. If you recall, a major plot point of the story in episode 47, Skydiver, was an intense rivalry between the Flying Elvis's skydiving group and the Flying Tom Petty's. And I, at one point, expressed some concern over how exactly you would pluralize Elvis. Is it Elvis's? Is it Elvi? I just didn't know. But thanks to Sean, I do now. Sean writes, Say, Bill, you were questioning the possible plural of Elvis. I actually have an answer for you. It actually goes back to my senior year of high school when I was taking Latin. A friend of mine stumbled on this Latin sentence and asked me if I knew what it meant. And if not, if I could take it to uh, Father Rocco, my Latin instructor, went to Catholic school and Father Rocco was believed to be so old that he was around when Latin was still the official language somewhere. Turns out he wasn't really very old. Just looked that old because he smoked a lot. Henry, don't smoke. Mm. And ask him to translate. The sentence, Credo elvum etiam vivere. Does that look right to you, Henry? Mm. No. <laughs> no? How would I you say it? I don't even think that's a word. Well, it's Latin. It's another language. A really old language. Is it from South America? Um, no. Um. Well, they spoke, at one point, oh, one time they spoke Latin in a lot of places, so maybe, oh. I guess. Sean goes on. I knew the credo part meant I believe, and vivere meant to live, but in Latin you don't get so far as to talk about the subjunctive mood and stuff like that. So I took the sentence to Father Rocco, he looked at it and chuckled. The sentence was, I believe that Elvis himself still lives. He said whoever came up with the sentence bastardized a common Latin saying among Christians from olden days. A sentence that translated to, I believe that Jesus himself still lives. Now, as for the plural, Elvis, well, Father Rocco said that Elvis, if it were a Latin noun, would be 
a third declension eye stem. Don't know how much you know about Latin. Spoiler here, I know nothing about Latin. But there are, if I remember correctly, five ways to decline nouns, and Elvis would be the third way. And there's a special type of third declension noun called an eye stem. You getting all this, Henry? What'd you say? <laughs> Fair enough. I wasn't listening. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, meaning that a couple of the declensions of the noun have an extra I in the ending somewhere. I was just asking if you were understanding all this. I'm going to guess not. <laughs> it's okay, Henry. You're spoiling suffering. I'll, 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 I'll be done with this email in a minute, okay? Yay. As for how to decline Elvis, assuming Elvis is singular. Nominative case, which in English would be the subject, would be, would be the subject, or perhaps sometimes the predicate nominative, nominative of the sentence. Elvis. Genitive case, equivalent to possessive case, in this case, Elvis's. Usually third declension, genitive ends in is, which means it'd be the same here. Usually nouns ending in is are fourth declension. Dative case, equivalent to our indirect object as in I gave Elvis a sandwich. Elvi. Accusative case, equivalent to direct object as in I fired Elvis. Elvin, Elvem, rather, as seen in the above sentence. Ablative case, I guess, object of the preposition? I'm just not that into Elvis. Elvi. So, as for the plural of Elvis, depends on how you're using his name. Nominative case, elves. The second E is long, so it's pronounced elves. Oh, okay. Elves. Or if you really want to speak authentic Latin, elves. And we do want to be authentic here, don't we, Henry? What does that mean? Uh, real. We want to be real. I don't know. <laughs> well, it is a podcast, so I, I guess you got to I don't get any of this stuff. <laughs> you know what, Henry? What? I don't either. I think maybe Sean's too smart for us. What do you think? Anyway, where was I? The Catholic Church introduced the pronunciation of the letter V as in, as a V in Latin. Real Roman Latin doesn't have a V sound. V was a consonant version of U and therefore was pronounced like a W. Genitive case would be Elvium. Dative case, Elvibus. Last symbol rhymes with wuss or puss. Accusative case, elves, same long E at the end. Hippopotamuses. Hippopotamuses? I want a hippopotamus for Christmas. Only a hippopotamus will do. Don't want a doll. Remember how it goes? No. No dinky tinker toy. I want a hippopotamus to play with and enjoy. You know, get back to the <laughs> oh, stuff I don't get. <laughs> okay. Ablative case. Elvabus. That's kind of cool. I wish my name was Elvabus. I'm going to ask Mommy if we can change your name to Elvabus. Yeah. You like? All right. That would be awesome. All right, so Sean sums up. There's also a vocative case, which means you're addressing someone. Hey, Elvis, you simply use nominative case. The exception is second declension masculine nouns, in which you change the U.S. ending to a short E, hence the sentence, et tu, Brute? And Brute would be down. Are you brute. 92? Not Brute. Hope that clears it all up for you. Wonderful episode as usual. Well, thank you, Sean. I'm not sure that you really cleared up anything other than to tell me that I... Think I had it right? Are you 92? Even if, even if I didn't, I'm just going to go ahead and say that I did. So, thank you for the lesson, Sean. For you listeners, unfortunately, Sean did not take my suggestion and jump on the idea of starting a Learn Latin with Sean podcast because he seems to know his stuff, and I think the world needs another podcast, especially one about Latin. So, uh, sorry, folks, he's not going to do it. I also got a tweet from Jeff who tweets as at 8bitadvocate on Twitter, obviously. It'd be weird if he was tweeting on Facebook because that'd just be odd. He sent me an email. I, I challenged anybody in the Skydiver episode. I said, 
that the instruction manual told us that you potentially could get 99 points in the game. And I said that was a bunch of hooey because there's no way you get 99 points in that game. And Jeff is challenging me a bit. He said that he had recently gotten 87 points, which makes him think that the 99 is an attainable goal. I responded to that by saying, you know, more or less, uh, without pictures, it didn't really happen. So he said that he may try to get me some documented proof that he really got 87 or possibly more points, but until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. If anyone else has managed to get 99 points or close to it in Skydiver, let me know. And, I and show us the proof. That's right. My boy wants proof. Okay, Atari movie update. No Atari movie updates this week. I guess they're taking Christmas week off probably to craft a wonderful contract for me to start working in the new year on the Missile Command and Centipede movies. So we'll see what happens with that. All right, well, enough news and feedback. It's Christmas, right? We gotta celebrate. And what better way to celebrate than with presents? Don't you think, Henry? Yeah. Alright, it's Christmas morning, 1987. I'm 16, which makes it really weird that my son is here, but whatever. I wonder what's under the tree. Let's see, there's a package for Mom, a package for Dad, and a package for my dog, Nikki. Molly. And another one. Molly's a future dog who doesn't live in 1987. Oh. And... My dog, Sam? I think Sam was there then. I wonder what else is under this tree. Uh, oh, here's one with little Bill's name on it. I wonder what it could be. I can't wait to open this. What is it? Ah, holy crap! It's Food Fight! I can't wait to play this game. I've always wanted to play Food Fight, Henry. This is amazing! I can't wait. I, I don't know what to do. I'm going to put it in the in the machine right now. I got my Atari 2600 here. Here I go. I'm putting the game in the machine. And, oh no, it doesn't work. I didn't look at the box in time. It's an Atari 7800 game, Henry. It's not an Atari 2600 game. What are we going to do? Go to the future and get an Atari 7800 game box thing. That is an awesome idea. I wish we had a time machine. Oh wait, we do. A TARDIS. We got the TARDIS. All right, let's go. Let's oh, let's go into our TARDIS. Okay, now we start it up. All right, Ooh, we're in the future. Hi, future Bill. Wow, you're really old now. And look, there's Henry again. That's really weird. I'm 62. Yeah. Hey, we need your Atari 7800. Okay, future Henry. Uh, this is future dad asking you if we should give them the 7800. Do you think we should? Yeah. Okay. All right, past Bill and past Henry, who shouldn't actually be in the past, but whatever. Here's the Atari 7800. Go have fun. All right, I'm very confused now. All right, future past Henry. Get in the Henry. TARDIS and let's, go back. Yeah, all right, future past Henry. Let's get back in the TARDIS. Okay, I'll push the controls. Beep, beep, boop, 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 boop. And here we go. Okay. We are back in the present, or the past, wherever we're at now, and we have an Atari 7800. So, what's the story with this game? I've had this cartridge for almost 30... I, I got it in 1987, and 
I was really excited. I had seen the game, the arcade version, I don't know that I ever played it in the arcade, but I had seen the arcade version on like a cable game show where you played arcade games. It was sort of a the forerunner of, of what people do now, right? You go on YouTube or you go on the internet somewhere and you watch people play games. This was in the 1980s and there was a game show and I don't remember what the show was called, but it might have been Starcade. Starcade was a game show where contestants compete against one another by playing arcade video games. The series originally aired on WTBS from 1982 to 1983 and then was syndicated after that for another season. First hosted by Mark Richards and then Jeff Edwards after the first 23 shows, and he stayed with the show until it ended. Shortly after that show was canceled, the second show was produced called The Video Game for a brief period from 84 to 85. Starcade aired in repeats on the G4 network from 2002 to 2004. Two players or teams age regardless competed. Three rounds were played. Each round began with a video arcade game related toss-up question. If you buzzed incorrectly, you got to choose one of five games to play. There was a time limit to play. One of the five games would be a mystery game which awarded a prize to the player who chose it in any of the three rounds. Now there's bonus rounds, so forth. Basically, it's you watching arcade games. Well, looking at the manual for Food Fight, which I'm now getting to do finally for the first time in almost three decades, it says, hurry, hurry, step right up, earn your just desserts. Once there was a fellow named Charlie Chuck, more than anything, Charlie loved to eat, so when he went to the carnival one hot summer day, he headed straight for the food fight contest. The menu. Loading up for a food fight. Insert the food fight cartridge into your Atari 7800 Pro system as explained in your owner's manual, and turn on your console. The match. How Charlie wins his just desserts. Depending on the game level, Charlie has three to eight lives and battles two to four chefs. Angelo, Zorba, Oscar, and Jacques. If Charlie uses up his last life, he's cooked for good. Buried under an avalanche of food, he starts with vanilla. Each ice cream cone takes 32 seconds to melt. At the beginning of level 1, Charlie is poised at the right side of the screen. A vanilla ice cream cone beckons him from the opposite side. In between are stacks of food and three manholes. To win, Charlie must... Uh, I guess... Uh, update here. In the 80s, maybe there were manholes. I guess we call them utility conduits now. I will stick with the nomenclature given to us in the manual in the sake of 1980s authenticity. I hope no one is offended. To win, Charlie must race to the ice cream cone before it melts, without falling into a manhole, touching his opponents, or being walloped by flying food, compliments of the chef. Henry has wandered away into the time vortex, taking the TARDIS for a spin, but he will be back in just a couple of minutes to take a test run on Food Fight. The tomato almost purees him. The game begins. Suddenly, Angelo and Zorba pop out of holes and take off after Charlie. Lickety-split, Char Charlie runs towards the cone with the chefs at his heels. He can thwart them by hitting them with food or forcing them into manholes. The chefs can put an end to Charlie, but he can stop them only temporarily. Within seconds, they reappear out of the manholes. When Charlie reaches the cone, the chefs retreat until the next round, and he swallows the cone in one quick gulp. In level two, Oscar joins his chef buddies, and the battle continues. This time, Charlie races toward a chocolate cone. By the time Charlie reaches level three, he also faces Jacques. Through round after round, Charlie holds off all four chefs, and the pace picks up. He must dodge as many as ten manholes and fight for up to eight piles of food. To complicate matters, the chefs and the manholes aren't always in the same positions, and after level 6, neither is the cone. Strategy. How Charlie avoids a dangerous diet. Watch out for open manholes, or Charlie will fall in and lose a life. Keep an eye on the colors of the chefs. When the chefs are blue or yellow, they can't hurt Charlie. In the higher levels, have Charlie race to the cone immediately. For the high cone points, you win an extra 500 points each time Charlie scrambles to a higher level. Use leftovers as ammunition whenever possible. Remember, if Charlie's carrying the food when he reaches the cone, he takes it with him to the next level. Special feature. If he plays like a champ, Charlie sees an instant replay of his last round. Chow time. 
In levels 1 and through 4, Charlie and the chef do battle with a random assortment of food. In levels 5 and above, one type of food may dominate the match. Wallop 10 chefs. You earn 100 points for the first chef, 200 points for the second chef, and so on. Increasing 100 points per chef up to 1,000 points for the 10th chef and above. Force a chef into a manhole. You earn 200 points per chef. Eat the cone. You earn 500 points for the first cone, 1,000 points for the second cone, and so on. Increasing 500 points per cone up to a maximum of 25,000 points at level 50. Leave the leftovers on the screen. You earn 100 bonus points per leftover. Bonus life. Charlie earns an extra life at 25,000 points and every 100,000 points thereafter and at every 10th game level if he begins the game at level 10 or above. And the winner is the contestants. Charlie, Jacques, Oscar, Angelo, Zorba. That's how you play Food Fight, apparently. Food Fight, also styled as Charlie Chuck's Food Fight, was an arcade game originally uh, released by Atari in 1983, ported to the Atari 7800 in 1987, and also released as an Atari 8-bit family cartridge styled for the then-new Atari XCGS the same year. A port for the Atari 2600 was cancelled, which is why we have leapt into the future to pull out this Atari 7800 on what is ostensibly an Atari 2600-based podcast. The game was developed by General Computer Corporation, the company that designed the custom chips of the Atari 7800 and produced Midway's Miss Pac-Man. Like Miss Pac-Man, GCC's connection to Atari was born out of accusations of copyright infringement. The company had produced a kit that would speed up Atari's Missile Command arcade machines, but with General Computer claiming the copyright for the modified game. Fearing for its intellectual property rights, Atari sued GCC for 15 million U.S. dollars. The case was settled out of court with Atari contracting GCC to produce video games for them, including Food Fight and Quantum. In an interview, Jonathan Hurd said that everyone at GCC contributed to the development. The initials of the people who were most heavily involved in creating Food Fight are in the high score table. According to Hurd, there is one serious bug in the game. If the cone is eaten at the last moment in a round that triggers an instant replay, the game resets. The world record high score for Food Fight using the game's default settings is 103,103,100 points, set by Ken Okumira in January 1984. Under tournament settings, the world record is 1,234,100 points, set by John Dworkin in June, 19, er, June 2001. Food War and Mud Pies are Food Fight clones released for the TRS-80 color computer in 1983. Mud Pies was released for the Atari ST in 1985. So I'm pretty excited to pull this game out and finally plug it into my Atari console and, and see it for the first time on my TV screen. But I'm a little nervous too. Hey guys, it's Future Bill. I thought of something later that I forgot to mention in the episode. I did get this game as a Christmas present, as a present, when I was a kid. I really don't remember if it was a Christmas present or a birthday present, but I got the game. If you're nervous because I'm telling you that I'm opening an over 30-year-old game and the collector in you is freaking out, uh, don't worry. Uh, The game was opened when I got it. The plastic was ripped off. Uh, The game was taken out, and then it was only then that I discovered that it was not a 2600 game, so I don't feel so bad about getting it out now. I still have all the packaging for it, but obviously it's not in pristine condition. So don't worry about that. Uh, I just wanted to put your collector minds at ease. Alright, back to the show. Thanks. You know, I'm doing this live, so to speak, on a podcast. That's a lot of pressure. What if it doesn't go well? I guess I'm reminded of that American hero, Geraldo Rivera, legendary TV reporter and 
I guess, Fox News contributor now. I don't know, I haven't seen him for a long time. But back to 1986, Geraldo Rivera was kind of a household name. In that year, he laid a legendary egg on live TV by hosting a special called The Mysteries of Al Capone's Vaults, which was hyped as opening for the first time a secret chamber that might hide riches or even bodies left there by the notorious mobster. So they went live on TV, they built this big thing up, they crack open this vault, and pretty much all there was in there was a bunch of dust and some broken bottles. Wah, wah. It was a two-hour special, live, as I said, broadcast one time only, no great surprise there, in syndication on April 21st, 1986. The vault was in the Lexington Hotel, once owned by the uh, gangster Al Capone. Evidently, I didn't go look at this, but according to Wikipedia, you can go to Geraldo Rivera's website, and the special is on there if you want to watch it. Al Capone, born to immigrant parents on January 17th, 1899 in New York City, moved to Chicago in 1919 became a notable crime figure uh, in Chicago, played large parts in gambling, alcohol, and prostitution rackets. He took control of the Chicago outfit in 1925, which he had previously served with as the second-in-command. He was listed on FBI's Most Wanted list, sold alcohol during Prohibition, planned the St. Valentine's Day massacre, and was eventually indicted and convicted of income tax evasion in 1931, brought down, of course, by Kevin Costner in the movie The Untouchables from the 1980s, which is a great movie, Brian De Palma sort of at the top of his game. Uh, go check that out, but not till after you listen to this episode. So he gets indicted and convicted of income tax evasion in 1931. In 1939, he's released from Alcatraz prison on humanitarian grounds due to acutely advancing syphilis. Died on January 25th, 1947 in his palatial regalia on Palm Island, Florida, from cardiac arrest after suffering a stroke a week after his 48th birthday. So apparently he disproved the idea that you can't take it with you when you go because as Geraldo discovered, he can leave nothing in his vault. So question for us today is, will Food Fight be a rich gaming experience or will it be a dusty empty vault of 8-bit nothingness? After the break, we get our Geraldo on. and girls for the first time after 30 years 33 yeah i recounted it's not quite 33 but it's almost 30 and that's a lot for the first time i'm going to play food fight and my buddy henry has brought the tardis back as he was off flying around in time and space where did you go henry in Uh, your tardis i don't know to the kitchen (laughs) but it was the kitchen in the past right yeah okay there you go all right and the future was it cleaner in the future Okay, good. All right. Oh, was it cleaner, and were there more Christmas cookies in there in the future? Awesome. All right, I'm going to put the game in. Here we go. Ooh, pretty exciting. Let's do it. Should we count down? Five. And T-minus five. Four. Three. Two. One. Yay! So, I will put this on a two-player game. The manual didn't really tell us how many games there are or anything so i'm just gonna so i push the button it says advanced one player one player expert two player beginner let's try that one Uh oh the game has started there we go uh level one player one eat the cone it says oh there we go he's chasing me First thing I'm noticing is your guy doesn't run very fast. Okay, I guess that thing's a manhole. Whoa. 
He just ate that ice cream cone. Um, it appears to still be me, because I didn't lose my guy yet, I guess. So I guess I'm supposed to be picking up food. Yeah. Okay, I just threw a tomato. Now I'm throwing a banana. Dang it, you missed up. Oh, I got him. Pies. You thought pies. Yep. That guy just came out of a manhole. Weird, huh? Ah, my aim isn't very good. Oh, I guess I ran out of time. Oh, now it's you, Henry. And then now Henry ate the ice cream cone, so he goes to level two. This is a good-looking game, don't you think, Henry? Oh, you got him. Nice shot. Oh, and then you got him. Okay. Uh, I know. Get in the manhole. I'm still having a little trouble with aiming. Oh, man. No, you don't want to get in the manhole. You want to avoid the manhole. I like the look of this game. The stuff on the screen actually looks like what it's supposed to be. The tomatoes and the bananas and... Uh, I got him. Nice shot, dude. Got him. The chefs look way more like chefs than they did in Burger Time. No, uh. You're running out of time, I think, dude. To, to the ice cream cone. Yeah, your ice cream melted, I think. You were still... Oh, he got you. You were still on the time vortex when I uh, read that part of the instruction, but your ice cream cone is melting, so you have a time limit. Oh, man. Uh, my game is over. You probably got another guy. Come here, cone. You mine. Get up there. Don't get the shafts. Oh, yeah, I have to go around. Yeah! Nice job, dude. I've been using, when I was, I was player one in this game, and I was using my Sega controller. No! You did a nice job, man. Up here. Alright, so, back to you in the studio, which is to say we're still here, because we're doing this live, so to speak. Um, this is the first time I've ever played. You just can keep playing. Alright. I'm not moving. You can keep playing if you want. You want to keep playing? Alright, there. You're on. I'm setting Henry up so he can just keep playing. He can, As you're playing, you just tell what you're, what you're thinking about, okay? Okay. Uh, so, beginner, one player. Alright. So, when I was playing, I was using the Psychic Controller with my Ed Ladden adapter on it. As much as I don't like the Atari 7800 controllers, I think I might actually prefer to use that one because it has the, the joystick part on it, and it, I was having trouble moving my guy and aiming. This is kind of weird when you get out. All the food comes to you without people throwing it. Yeah, it's kind of silly. The food just takes off and smacks you, doesn't it? I think I might actually use the regular controller because it has the joystick, and I think it might be easier to aim 
and throw your food because I was having trouble with that using the buttons on the controller. But that might just be me too and may change with more practice. What do you think of this game, Henry? I, I love it. You love this yeah! game? Henry is so happy that after 30 years he gets to play this game. And I am too. I, I really, I, I, I've only played it once now, but I think I like this game a lot. Ferg, yeah. from the Atari 2600 Game by Game podcast, hi Ferg, um, talks about this like game a lot. People. Uh, a while back when I, I mentioned on social media that I These had... people are dumb. Why? Because... When I mentioned on social media that I had gotten this game, or, or had gotten an Atari 7800... The first thing he said in response was that I needed to get Food Fight. Uh, I didn't tell him I already had it because I was saving it for this episode. But uh, he's right. I've only got a handful of Atari 7800 games. Level this two, might, baby! Looks like it could end up being one of my favorites of the few that I have. If anyone has any recommendations for 7800 games that might be good, uh, let me know. I already have Robotron. I know that's a popular one. And I have Double Dragon. Which is my favorite card game. It's yeah, fine. Henry likes Double Dragon. You know, and I might, uh, throughout the, the run of this podcast, I may sprinkle. It's still a, an Atari 2600 podcast. But I might sprinkle some, you know, some 7800 games here and there as, as the mood strikes. So, okay, oh, Henry. Yeah. You've, gotten to oh. play, you've gotten to play around with this game a little Uh-oh, bit. Uh-oh, I made them mad. Why do you think at this carnival... Shush, I made them mad. Here's the look. Get the ice cream. Good job. You're getting good at this, dude. I know. And you're gonna make them mad. Yeah. Why do you think why do you think they're mad? This is the story. Because part. I keep hitting them. Yeah, but why why are they going why are they uh, why are you having a food fight? Um, because the boy wanted a food fight and and went to the carnival because he looked in a pamphlet, which is my favorite, like, book type thing, because I love pamphlets. Everywhere we go, Henry picks up before you start a game again, we'll do this part. Everywhere we go, Henry picks up pamphlets, don't you? Yeah. Why do you like pamphlets? Because they're pamphlet-y. They're pamphlet-y? Pamphlet-y. All right, fair enough. Maybe Santa will bring you some pamphlets for Christmas. Or maybe he did, because, of course, this is Christmas morning. So, why does this carnival have a food fight? Why is that one of the things you can do at the carnival? It's fun. Why does Charlie Chuck like to throw food at people? Yeah. Wow. His, his jaw, like, unhinges like a snake when he eats the ice cream cone. Did you notice that? It's weird, huh? I think maybe this is kind of like uh, like the carnival in Something Wicked This Way Comes. I don't think you've ever read that book, Henry. But it's a Ray Bradbury book where this mysterious carnival comes to town and these two boys go to the carnival and there's all this sort of creepy stuff happening. And, you know, old people, people turning old. And, no. And uh, some want, of the, the, the carnival... The, the carnival workers have these weird dark pasts and stuff. Mm. And I'm thinking this must be a carnival like that. Cause these, They're these chef, cheating. These chefs are all little, you know, kind of weird looking little dudes. And they're trying to attack Charlie, which doesn't seem like good customer service at a carnival. And they're having this big food fight. Do you think it's weird, Henry, that in burger time, the chef is the good guy? And in this game, the chefs are the bad guys? Yeah. Yeah? Why is that weird? Hey, I just noticed that some of the chefs have that big, tall rectangle hat, and some of them have kind of the floppy, poofy hat. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I'm well, just trying to beat this. According to the picture, the guy with the floppy hat, that could be Zorba, or Oscar, or Jacques, and the guy with the kind of rectangle-shaped hat, that's Angelo. Do you think any of those guys are related to Peter Pepper from uh, Burger Time? I'm pretty sure they're all in the same sort of weird mafia-style 
chef family, and they just come near me. They take their food very seriously. No, I ran out of time. Either, either I get out or I run out of time. Well, that's okay, Henry, because it's Christmas Day. We've got all day to play this game if we want to. And speaking of being out of yeah, time, yeah, because it's Christmas. Because because it's winter break. And on that note, they don't. The chefs don't have arms. Well, I think they do. You just don't really see them the way the the graphics are done in the game. Ooh, you smacked him good. Wow, you knocked him across the room with the pie. His mouth is like that big. Like. All right. So- All right. Well, we're hanging around by the Christmas tree. We're having a good holiday. I think this is a good time to bring the Santa sleigh that is this podcast into the North Pole and come in for a landing. Well, I kind of butchered that, didn't I? So that's our show. My thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. You can email AtariBytes at AtariBytes2016 at gmail.com. Show notes, other episodes, and other links are at ataribytes.libsyn.com. You can find the show on Stitcher, Google Play Music, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and many other podcatchers. When the option is offered, do please leave a review. It helps our rankings, and it helps keep you on Santa's nice list, so keep that in mind. You can like the show on Facebook, you can follow us on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. And you can also help support the show financially on our Patreon page. You can do it. No. That's no, right. No, Henry no. just said it. You can do it. He was talking to the game, but the same applies to you. Please do check out. Boom. Our, please do check out our Patreon. Twenty four hundred points. All right, Henry's getting into it. Do check out our Patreon page and also our Zazzle.com store, AB underscore Pod underscore Store. And if Santa leaves a little bit extra time in your stocking, check out my other podcast. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Advanced right now. A new episode drops on the fifteenth of every month. This month. Being December, big a Charlie Brown Christmas episode is out. We do a nice uh, deep dive into that landmark TV special, so do check that out. Oh, also another thing you can check out this time of year. I also have a blog, WilliamAllenPepper.wordpress.com. Um, I haven't been as active on there, you know, this year as I have in the past because a lot of my time that I would spend on that has been taken up with the podcast. But I do dust the blog off uh, at least once a year. To post my year in review, which I write in the style of Goodnight Moon, the children's book by Margaret Wise Brown. That review for 2016 is up. I will put a link in the show notes. Please do check it out. There's some other stuff on there that you might find interesting as well. Also, uh, it's still the holiday season. I so. dodged the set. I dodged the chefs. So. I'm pretty sure I know what Henry's doing the rest of the day. The chef can throw food. Yep, they can. Come here, Ice King. You're mine. If... A hundred, eleven hundred points. You guys should, of course, play Food Fight. A hundred and twelve points. But if you can tear yourself away long enough to read a book... A hundred and twelve hundred points. Look at how much points I have. Yes, I see. Um, if you can tear yourself away from Food Fight long enough to check out a book, I have one. In the Saint Nick of Time, I've mentioned on the last few episodes... It's my novel. It's a story about three men thrown together at Christmas time. There's heart and humor and a fair amount of drama. I want to try advanced. Um, Cameron Jones is... I'm trying advanced. ...is struggling against... Come on, baby. Um, you can do it. You can do it. Cameron Jones is struggling against writer's block yeah. and disagreements with his ex-wife. 
His buddy Dogwater Hunt is a multiple alien abductee convinced that aliens are going to visit Earth on Christmas Eve, and Santa Claus has just quit being Santa. Uh, the three men are thrown together. Uh, this one is a book for adults. I wanted to take a shot at writing a Santa Claus story for adults. Um, there's a lot of humor, a lot of heart, a fair amount of drama, and a little bit of gunplay. So, a little bit of gunplay? A little bit. So, you know, I encourage you to go check that out in the St. Nick of Time. It makes a nice stocking stuffer if you're having a late Christmas celebration. Or, you know what, it's a good gift for any time of year at all. Next time on Atari Bites, Galaxian. So, from all of us here at Atari Bites, here's hoping you have a happy and safe and joyous... No, no, no! ...holiday and end of the year. Henry, do you want to tell everybody a Merry Christmas? Well, he would, but he has been sucked into the vortex that is Food Fight. So, I'm sure that if he... When he resurfaces, he will want you all to have a happy holiday and a wonderful start to 2017. We will be back next week with another episode. Galaxian, as I said. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.